like I got, you know, a hundred little brothers and sisters now. So um, <laughs> it could, that could be a double-edged sword when things go really, really well. It could be, you know, it can be just incredible, you know, but then when things go bad for a lot of different kids that you care about, fighters that you care about, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can share in those losses, share in that negativity with them as well. So it's very tough mentally in a lot of different ways, tougher than, playing or competing yourself in a lot of different ways when it comes to you know the mental aspect of of coaching and caring about students hi there welcome to the show i'm lucas favali and this is crunch chronicles presented by wendy's today on the show we catch up with a former crunch forward who spent parts of two seasons in syracuse in the mid to late 2000s we're talking about Mike Scroy, whose first crunch stint came in the second half of the 2005-06 season. He played in 16 games that season for the crunch and added three points and 32 penalty minutes. Now, you might remember on a previous episode of the show, we had Brent Walton on as a guest, and he was talking about his welcome to pro hockey moment was when he walked down to the basement of the arena, and what did he see? A shirtless Mike Scroy doing mixed martial arts, jujitsu, whatever it was, and uh, just realizing, okay, this is a totally different animal here in Syracuse. That would have come in the 05-06 season, his first with a crunch. After a few years away, Mike returned for three more games to the crunch in 2008-2009. He scored one goal and had 14 more penalty minutes before being sent back to the ECHL. In his career, which spanned from 2000 to 2017, Mike played for what he calls a laundry list of teams across several leagues in North America. And what he's doing today somehow might be even more exciting than what he brought to the ice in Syracuse all those years ago. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Wendy's Pretzel Bacon Pub Cheeseburger is back. Dive into a bite packed with warm, savory beer cheese, applewood smoked bacon, crispy fried onions, and hot and juicy beef. All perfectly paired with a Dr. Pepper at participating U.S. Wendy's for a limited time. Dr. Pepper is a registered trademark of Dr. Pepper 7-Up, Inc. Lee Baldwin & Company is a proud sponsor of the Syracuse Crunch. For all of your investment needs, check them out at investtoday.com. Lee Baldwin & Company, you do the dreaming, they'll do the math. Pretty good, man. Hey, I'm pretty sure I had a couple, maybe two or three different stints with Syracuse. Very short. You're, you're right. I, you are right. I've, uh, I've, I've got the uh, the one circled. There are a couple more on the list. It's such a long list of, uh, of teams you played for. Yeah, and... that's a laundry list for sure. Man. That's a CBS receipt, yeah, no we'll, doubt. We'll definitely get to those, uh, and, and you're right. Uh, you, you, there's no doubt about that. But uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. We'll start, though, with you know where you are currently, where you are these days. What's keeping you busy right now? Yeah, more than just keeping busy, man. So I've uh, I'm in Orlando, Florida, right now. Um, and the long and short of it is that I'm a fighting coach and I'm a hockey coach. And uh, I've been I've been developing fighters and hockey players here for about. 10, 11 years right now, and uh, I'm starting to reap some of the benefits of, you know, you know, teaching the correct fundamentals. And, you know, after after 10 years of doing it, some of my uh, some of my kid hockey players are making Team USA and getting D1 scholarships. And, uh, you know, we got five or six rostered UFC fighters that fusion excel where i'm the head striking coach so one of our one of our uh, top guys just got a knockout um from the last ufc phil Rowe against uh nico price in an absolute barn burner so uh you know that's uh 
I guess you can say I'm, uh, uh, it's more than just keeping busy. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm passionately working at my two crafts, which is, uh, which is a dream come true for me, man. Oh, that is awesome. Uh, I don't know which direction we want to start in first, so I'll, I guess I'll leave it up <laughs> to you. Where, where do you want to begin with all of this, and, and I guess how, how this has all evolved for you over the years, and, and now you've got these two uh, you know, big projects going on? Well, I can talk about them simultaneously because they complement each other, you know. So, you know, I've been developing kids, uh, you know, as young as, you know, the, the might level all the way now to the collegiate level and hopefully soon to be professional level. Some of them, uh, you know, the, the first crew that I had, you know, starting out, they were, fi- you know, five and six years old. And, and those kids are now, you know, 16, 17, you know, doing some big things, a lot of them. Um, and, and one of the reasons why, you know, after retiring from hockey that I was able to be successful in both of those is because because I had the, I had the other end of things where I was going from teaching, you know, five-year-olds and then being able to, 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 you know, sort of fill my, my, that adrenaline, you know, that I have that void after leaving hockey. And I was able to go, you know, from teaching five-year-olds to fighting into, to training professional fighters. So, you know, you know, giving back and, and doing, you know, things for the, for the young hockey community. And then, you know, being able to corner fights and traveling and, you know, being some pretty intense situations, uh, you know, that, uh, it's it's almost like playing a hockey season, so the transition was was uh, was pretty solid, and now I'm I'm really hit a stride in in, in both sports, and I, I tell you what, like just couldn't be happier. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm sure. Uh, it, it's uh, that's I mean, you talk about that balancing act. It, it is uh, it's got to be neat for you to have those two things that complement each other so well. It is, you know, and I have uh, I have a great family too. You know, I have a uh, you know beautiful, smart wife. Uh, my kid, he's uh, well, he's a fucking handful, that's for sure. But he's a great, great little hockey player, and he's just a little miniature version of me. And then there's just so many, you know, between the fighters and the kids. You know, there's just you know, it started off as a job and you know, a, you know, career path, and it turned into, you know, now I have you know hundreds of people in my extended family because you know after after so many years, you know, it's 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 inevitable that you form a bond with some of these people that you work with and and uh, some of them closer than others and now i feel like i got you know a hundred little brothers and sisters now so um <laughs> it could that can be a double-edged sword when things go really really well it could be you know it can be just incredible you know and but then when things go bad for a lot of different kids that you care about and fighters that you care about uh you know you can uh, you can share in those losses and share in that negativity with them as well so it's very tough mentally in a lot of different ways tougher than playing or competing yourself in a lot of different ways when it comes to you know the mental aspect of of coaching and caring about students i'm curious was this as you were still playing and you know throughout the course of your career was this something you were thinking about at that point you know being able to whether it was one both of these paths that you've taken now or or did it just kind of organically begin for you after you finished playing a little bit of both. So I was definitely teaching hockey and doing like hockey schools to make money, like a lot of players do in the summer, you know? And so, um, but I did find even then that just something about the way that I teach, uh, the kids really understand it. You know, I, I get the kids, you know, probably because my maturity level is pretty equal with them. So that's, <laughs> maybe that's why they relate to me. So, uh, no, it's, uh, you know, and, and same thing with fighters that just, my point gets across, you know, pretty well here. So, um, but definitely for the fighting thing was, was organic. It was, uh, it was really crazy because, uh, I was coming home and training with some of the best fighters in the world while I was playing, 
you know, hockey. So that was a big, big, big part of my summer training guys that know me, you know, anyone that kept up with my career know that I was huge in mixed martial arts, kickboxing and boxing. And, and I would go home train with American top team lines Den, like the top gyms. And, uh, and those guys that I was working with, you know, the guys that I was working with when I would come home, you know, they weren't, they weren't too, uh, you know, they weren't too quick to want to stand with me. So they were always trying to take me down, take me down, take me down. So I sort of invented my own little striking style, uh, where, uh, it was striking, but you had to strike against wrestlers and that ended up being, you know, the 2022, you know, that's kind of the, the blueprint for mixed martial arts. A lot of the, a lot of the boxers and kickboxing championship coaches that cross over, they're unable to deal with what wrestlers have to do. So if I wasn't training with guys consistently trying to take me down in the summers that are world-class wrestlers, you know, I, that, that the style organically sort of invented itself because of, you know, out of necessity. Um, but like I said, it ended up being pretty much the blueprint for mixed martial arts striking. So um, kind of got lucky on that one. <laughs> well, and it certainly worked so, out. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is so, it's so, uh, you know, when we on this podcast, we don't really get a, I don't think there's many Crunch alumni who are down the field that you're in in terms of at least the UFC and, the, and that <laughs> side of things. It's, I'm just so fascinated. Like what, not the day-to-day necessarily, but what is like, what are you doing uh, when you're, you know, going through those trainings and, and having your, you know, the fighters you're working with, what's kind of the process that you go through? So I have I have classes that I do. It's only open to amateurs and professionals, uh, and, you know, in the mornings. So I, I I run through my. It's basically like I run through a drilling practice where we do all kinds of different techniques. A lot of the time I'm I'm using examples from current UFC fights. I do a, a decent amount of video, um, and then as soon as my practice, an hour hour and a half is over, our team practice, our team mixed martial art practice happens immediately after my striking practice, where I'll take I'll take guys that need individual attention uh, aside, work mitts with them, you know, work whatever fundamentals they need work on, um, and then after. After, you know, after that, because the first uh, uh, the first part of mixed martial art team practice for Fusion XL is drilling and, you know, live situations. Uh, and then the second half of that practice is sparring. So you have, uh, you know, an hour, hour and a half of striking, uh, you know, and mixed martial arts striking, then you live drill or you end up working on an individual basis with me. Then I, you know, observe the sparring and help coach, you know, you know, help coach the guys during, during their, their live sessions. So that's about a two to three hour process, you know, uh, and then. You know, outside of that, I do have <laughs> outside of that, I have my garage that actually has synthetic ice in it, which is kind of funny. It was a, a little coincidental that um, uh, we found that training on synthetic ice with your you know, with shoes on or with, without, uh, you know, barefoot, without skates on actually really helps. Uh, your form and your balance. So you're not able to explode as much, but if you if you lose your balance or if you're not balanced positionally, your body will slip a little bit. And you can it really magnifies uh, your balance and your body position being in the right place. It was a totally unintended uh, benefit. Uh, so I bring guys over to the house, you know, usually on a very, very, uh, you know, individual basis or, you know, if they're top pros or something like that. So I'm working with all Meeks right now, Reggie Northrop, Valentine Woodburn. I mean, we got, I got a lot of crossover athletes, you know, Reggie, Reggie Northrop's a NFL player, division one, Florida state. All Meeks was an Olympic, uh, you know, alternate for Greco Roman wrestling as a heavyweight. Um, Valentine Woodburn, he's not, I mean, 
guys in the UFC, you know, they're asking us if we can, you know, Hey, you know, would you guys take this fight? And we'll be like, absolutely. And then they'll be like, Oh, Valentine Woodburn, the dude will already be in the UFC. And they'll be like, Nope. <laughs> so, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, there's a lot of incredibly high level athletes from different, you know, all from different walks, you know, from different sports, different lifestyles, everything. Um, and it's, uh, it's been, a, it's kind of ironic the way that I coach is nothing like the way that I fight. So, <laughs> so it's, I'm very extremely detailed and position and, you know, uh, positionally or, oriented, you know, and, uh, but, you know, I fight by trading punches and throwing as many right hands <laughs> as I can. It's nothing like the way you're supposed to do it. I so. love it. <laughs> uh, the things, I guess, come full circle a little bit with all of that. How, you know, from, yeah. from your perspective, how rewarding is it to see you know, the guys you're working with uh, from that side of things and, and just what they're doing, uh, you know, whether it's, you know, the big knockout, like you said, what uh, a week or two ago go and how rewarding is it to to see these guys continue to perform at the level they're at uh, it's, a, it's it's super rewarding and uh, you know a big a big thing was when i tried to make the transition the guys that i was training with over my career you know ended up being coaches you know you know they're coaching that they're owners of the gym of these high levels you know so they're the ones that brought me in but not everybody uh, believed in me at the start, you know, they knew what I was capable of and, and the depth of my knowledge for, for the striking game. And, uh, but that's not to say that people would be like, why the fuck am I listening to this hockey player? Like, can we get somebody in that's you know, has been a pro boxer or something like that? So it took me a long time, but, uh, at this point, you know, we, I think, uh, uh, we did the math the other day in the last five years I've cornered, you know, in between, uh, in between four and 450 fights for fusion XL. Yeah. We, I mean, we average like five guys a show, you know, sometimes we do two shows a month. So it's, uh, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, you know, but at this point, you know, it's pretty undeniable, you know, and, and not to sound arrogant or whatever, but, um, we've really, uh, that gym was already super successful, but you know, I was, I was the icing on the cake. Uh, they're uh, predominantly grappling, you know, they're dominant grappling school with some of the best wall work and jujitsu guys and you know, world-class wrestlers. And, you know, my, my striking knowledge really was the icing on the cake and we've been so successful and, and, uh, the percentages don't lie. So you can say what you want, but after five years, if you're batting 90%, you know, uh, people stop asking questions as to, you know, why I, I have the, the depth of the knowledge. They, they just, they just trust in it now. So yeah, that's uh, very gratifying. The results clearly are speaking for themselves there, yep. uh, from yep. that side of things, uh, you know, flipping back to the hockey, uh, you know, side that you, you know, the kids you're working with, I'm curious, you know, what, what you've, you've obviously seen a ton in this game. You've, you've got a wealth of knowledge now that you can share as well what you know what lessons do you teach from whatever age the you know on the ice off the ice I mean there's probably so so much you can share and being able to blend all of what you've learned in in both of those worlds now together yeah it's a little it's a little tricky so my niche is contact clinics uh right now but but basically and I I, to be honest with you I I hate coaching teams uh even though I sort of do it out of of a necessity um I much much rather have the responsibility to hey this is the kid I'm bringing him to you make him better uh whereas a team you could take them to a fucking state championship and you'll still have like three or four parents to hate your guts and I just it's it's tough to make everybody happy when you when you when you coach a team when as a developmental coach you know you have a here's money here's kid you train make better it's it's you know and if i don't do it i don't have a job i don't have money i can't feed my family so you know uh it's again it's just a very direct um a very direct uh way to be i some of the kids you know again i uh Peyton compton just made uh the she's the team usa under 18 i think she's the youngest player on that roster right now at 16 years old so yeah she's she's committed like on the 
on the day of her, you know, 15th birthday or whenever they can talk to you, 16th birthday. It was like the day of, she had like 10, 15 different schools offering her full rides. She took uh, Northeastern, I believe. Uh, Sebastian Sanfilippo, he's like my little brother. He just got, you know, some financial aid to go to Shattuck St. Mary's and he's killing it right there. Um, uh, Sydney Wagner, Division One scholarship to uh, uh, Mercyhurst. Um, you know, uh, tons of kids that are playing for the Alliance, which is the state, uh, the state team. Which a lot of people are like, oh, you play for the Florida State team. Yeah, look up, look up where they're ranked. You know, the 2011s are fifth in the nation. Uh, and the, the, even the, even the second Alliance, the South Alliance team is 30th in the nation. You know, the Oh nines, tens are all top 20, top 15 teams in the nation. Florida's got some absolute incredible hockey players. Um, you know, and, and I have, uh, I have kids at every one of those uh, different age groups for the, for the Alliance teams. So that's, that's something that I'm continuing on. You got to be a, a little careful because obviously things are very different in these days and the way that, you know, you develop kids, you know, it's not like back in the day. You can't have any fucking water. Get up. You can't be doing that now. But I try to mix a, um, I try to mix, you know, having fun with the kids, but then, you know, obviously holding them accountable for, for attitude and effort. And that's the two things that I like, I like to try to be real clear about. Um, you're not going to see me lose my mind or freak out or, you know, being a temperamental coach in a negative way, uh, unless you see a severe lack of effort or severe lack of, uh, or se- severely poor attitude on my squad. So I try to be tough and, uh, and encouraging. Yeah. And those are, we always hear coaches say, those are the two things you can hundred percent control your attitude and your effort. Yep. And, that's uh, two things. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, well, it makes sense. And then you'd be uh, preaching that for sure. Mike Scorey is our <laughs> guest here. Crunch Chronicles. Uh, we kind of shift, I guess, we could talk about that all day because it's so fascinating <laughs> what you're doing right now. We might have to pop back in at some point, but want to get to your sure. time in Syracuse and, and whatever else we get to here. And like you said, it was a, a couple of stints, um, uh, you know, your first one in the mid 2000s. We'll get to that in a moment. But just, you know, your your general thoughts on your, your time spent in Syracuse. I love Syracuse and I miss dinosaur barbecue dearly on a regular basis. I think about it. <laughs> I, uh, I just, I love the fan support. I mean, even now, I mean, I haven't played in years and I still am in contact on Facebook and all kinds of, with all kinds of ex Syracuse fans or, or Syracuse fans, uh, just always treated me with the most respect, just awesome. Um, you know, I loved my time there. I loved the teammates. I loved the coaches that were there. I always was trying to go back to Syracuse. So, um, you know, I, I love living at the the Renaissance, the Marks, whatever. I can't remember what it is now. Which one is that? I love that. I, you know, the 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 you know, even the ice was the best ice in all the America League was Syracuse Crunch's ice. It's hardest, best ice ever. I, I I love the city. You know, I just I miss playing, and I, I that's one of the places. You know, Syracuse is one of the places that I still think about. You know, that I miss a lot. So, um, not every place out of that laundry list of teams that I played for do I miss the city. Syracuse is definitely one. I was going to so. say, you know, coming for you, that actually means a lot because you've been in a lot of places. So when you say <laughs> that's one of the places I miss, that that is significant. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Even, you know, Turning Stone was 20 minutes away. Yeah. You know, I could I could go play some poker, you know. I You know, again, we had uh, Gary Agnew was an awesome coach when he was there. You know, Morasti and Sugden, a lot of the guys that, uh, you know, that we played with, we had, you know, really good bonds. Um yeah, I I loved it. I loved it, man. I love that city. Well, you, your um, first uh, your first stint was in 2005-2006 with the Crunch. You had uh, started that year in Albany. You ended up here in Syracuse. Take us back to that year. You played 16 games with the Crunch. How you ended up here with the Crunch and uh, and what you remember from the, you know, that that time you spent in Syracuse that year. 
that was one. So that was one of my best years. And you know, I was playing in Albany, and I was doing I had a hat trick one game. You know, I was kicking the shit out of a lot of guys, and um, um, my temper got the better of me. And I jumped in a penalty box after a guy, and I got like a, a month suspension, five thousand dollars fine. And uh, I got a call from Lamarillo in, in Albany. David Clarkson and Cam Jansen were actually on my line at the time and they were both 21 they're both 21 years old they're both good good buddies of mine i love both these guys man and uh and uh, lou lamarillo called me he said listen man you're gonna be out for a while after that um uh and i'll be honest with you uh you know you're you're fighting well enough and you're playing well enough to get the call up but you're 29 and these two guys are 21 they're gonna be getting calls faster than you especially if you get back if you want i'll i'll buy you out and you can you can try to go somewhere else uh and i totally on my blessing and i'll i'll, I'll pick up the tab and uh i just thought that was like one of the most respectful things any general manager or coach or anybody's ever done for me so um so i took him up on his offer and i remember that's when uh, that's when syracuse called and i made the uh i made the jump over there and uh and finished out the season and um you know got a got a couple of points too i mean i enjoyed it I had a couple of good fights i mean i that was uh that was an interesting year for me. So, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, that's that's the transition. I'd say what a what a crazy scenario with all of that. And then you, like you said, sixteen games here with the Crunch. It was a really good Syracuse Crunch team too that year. That was yeah. a team that was, yeah. you know, ended up second in the division, but a hundred plus points, forty seven wins. A really good team that you were jumping into. What you know, when you jump into a group like that, what do you? What's the feeling? What are you trying to provide and and uh, and bring to a squad that's already in a really good spot? Well, yeah, it's, the, I mean, I, it's easy for me. Right. So I don't have to beat anyone else's, you know, be anyone outside of the job there, you know? So it's not like I'm trying to say, Oh man, I better get three goals today. Otherwise I'm getting sent down. So I, you know, I got to make sure first and foremost, you guys understand guys that do my job. You know, I like to think that I had a little bit of skill that actually might've worked against me a little bit in my career. Cause I tried to actually score goals a little more than I should have. Um, but yeah, you know, going in my first business was always taking care of the team. So, you know, nobody takes liberties with the guys. I mean, I mean, that's just the that's the enforcer's handbook man that's page one rule one line one you know nobody fucks with your guys so that's you know that's number one and then you know number two is uh you know momentum sway so if if the team needs it you know you have to your job is to sway uh you know the momentum in in your team's favor and and you know you're not there to do that with goals you're there to do that with physical plays and fights um so that was you know that's number two and then number three is you know that's it's it's a personal thing usually so you got taking care of the guys you know, swinging the momentum in your team's favor. But after that, and sometimes this third one can encompass the first two. It's, it's pretty much, you know, after, after a certain amount of, you know, developmental decades for the enforcer, we're just, all right, well, who's tougher? Like who's better now? So, you know, before any of those things were even relevant, sometimes we would just try to make our market on the game as quickly as we could just to let everybody know, all right, there's going to be no dumb shit happening today. So and if you win your fight, you know, in the first period and then your team gets down, you start running around being an idiot. You know, the other guys, fuck, I'll do that again. A lot of times the co and the other team's coach might not always put that guy out there with you in fear of losing again and then getting even more momentum. So there's a lot of different ways that you can that you can. And I, unfortunately, I, I started learning this right around, you know, the Syracuse time where it's really about everybody else and not you. You guys got to you got to win your fight. But as far as the strategy is concerned, strategy is about everyone else except yourself. 
and then you got to win your fight. <laughs> so <laughs> so there, yeah, there's your that's that's the TED talk on uh, on how you're supposed to go into a team. And yeah, fit in. <laughs> yeah, I love it. And you know, I just want to pause uh, in in terms of the you know the fighting and the enforcers and everything. Obviously, hockey has evolved so much over the years. Uh, yeah. where that is, I don't want to say it's out of the game, but it's certainly uh, it's on its way out. And 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 the guys yeah. who are now fighting are are have so many other roles as well. Where do you see the game yeah. at now? And and is it better off? Is it worth worse off? Wherever you want to take it what you know what are your stances where it is at the moment it where it is is i could put it on and fall asleep right now it's a nice little sunday nap if i watch it now i'm just looking and i'm not i'm not going to talk too much shit because the 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 game has evolved so good like the skill in the game is absolutely ridiculous i mean it's lunacy i mean these guys are the fourth liners are like first liners now it's ridiculous it's there is an exceptional amount of skill in the game now but there is no there's no heart, no anger, no for that. I'm not saying that these guys don't have heart. They have heart. It's just a different kind of person. And I understand like the enforcer, the whole job of like, it was morphing into something that was getting out of control. And I do, the older I get, the more I realize that I don't want them to, I don't think it should be out of the game, but what I believe that you're going to see very, very shortly is a whole bunch of, um, of Chris Neal's, uh, maybe not Chris Neal. That's a tough. That's a tough act to follow, actually. But you're going to see a bunch of guys that can play, like Nicholas Delorier. Like, bro, if you can find one of those right now, like you better jump all over that. Um, and those are the kind of guys that, because there's so much skill and not enough fuck you and not enough like, you watch all these crazy beautiful goals and everyone watches the skill and I'm watching the defenseman going, what the fuck is he doing? Like, hit that guy, right. fucking don't you know? Like, everyone stick checking. So I think that it's going to make a comeback, not the same way. I do believe that, uh, you know, I, I, but I think if you put together like a team full of Cam Jansons and, uh, and guys that can hit and play and, and, you know, fight a little bit and do it all, I think they roll over two thirds of the NHL right now. Gotcha. So huh. the problem yeah. is, is society's a little softer right now. So it's tougher to breed those kind of, kind of players, but I think necessity will demand it. Uh, at some point, and and then it'll just be a copycat, just like it always is in pro sports. It, it always so is. I think, yeah. So I think. So, I mean, I'm trying to do it. I got a. I got a son. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do it carefully but you know he's been hitting and doing contact clinics with me since he was seven mm. and there's been a lot of kids around me that have been doing contact clinics since they were six and seven and i mean not battle drills like like fundamentally learning how to hit the angles to hit to take it they're going into bantams being the you know their first year of bantams being the best hitters in the league because they're not most of these kids even in canada they're learning this shit six months before they they play their first contact game it's unbelievable not to mention that they're a lot of them are learning it you know uh uh in in the largest you know age and size biggest size discrepancy is is bantas because some kids are going to puberty and some kids aren't and that's the year we're trying to make hitting legal like it doesn't make any sense to me it should be legal but you know, monitored at, at, at the before your first big puberty uh, uh, growth spurt, because then then some of the again some of those things will stick into your to your head. So, and that's what I just don't think there's enough of that out there. I mean, look, Reeves just mowing guys over there. He's a Tom Wilson. Tom Wilson in, in my generation would have been really average player. And, and, and aside from he's got a ton of skill, he's tough, but his strengths would have been completely negated. And now, I mean, if I'm an NHL GM on any single team, I'm chopping off a right arm to Tom Wilson so or a player like that. 
So, you know, these are, these are, and I believe that there's going to be people being, the young kids are going to, you know, coaches are smart, man. They're going to develop another group that can, that can do all of it. And they're going to, and when it happens, they're going to mow through people. Yeah. So, and as soon as they do, like you said, it's going to be the, uh, the, the big copycat and everyone's going to copycat. be like, oh, oh yeah. we, we need to get this back in our, uh, on our roster for sure. Uh, yeah. But, everyone talks about Zegris and all this yeah. stuff. And I'm like, yeah, he's incredibly fun to watch. What he doesn't have his uh, regular season fucking win in 19 games i mean a great leader guy like i'm just saying oh austin matthews i'm like yeah like if you want that guy leading your team and then you want that guy leading you to war in playoffs give me a fucking break you have zero chance i'm just telling you sorry yeah. boys but that's just the way i know like, i know you need you need great leaders to go to war with if you want to win championships so well, we're, we're, we'll see how this all plays out over the next couple of years for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mike Scroy is our guest here on Crunch Chronicles. Uh, we'll, we'll flip back to, uh, uh, you know, your your time with the Crunch. We talked about that first year. You did come back a couple of years later, only a, a few games uh, for the Crunch that uh, that season. It was 2008-2009. You played in a, a bunch of different teams that year as well. What do you remember from your uh, couple of games in, in Syracuse a few years later? This is where it gets tough for me, okay? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, I, I, uh, I did jump around a lot. Yeah. I was always, uh, and it was always at the end of the year, you know, if I was playing on a team, you know, uh, an expendable commodity, I used to like to call myself. So you could always, tra- you could get something for me at the trade deadline. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of teams that wanted what I, you know, some toughness at the end of the year. And it was, I was always, I was always looking to improve my situation. Um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I think that was the year that I can't, I think that was the Sugden or was that the Sugden year? I can't remember if that was the, the toughest line I've ever played on was me, Sug, Sugden and Cam Severson. Mm. That was a very difficult line. Um, second toughest was Gillies and Robinson on the same line. But, uh, but I, I remember that was, uh, I think that was the same year. If it wasn't, that was the year I went back with Morasti and got a handful of games before I got sent down to Johnstown. I think, I think I might've broke my hand. Okay. And then got sent down to Johnstown on that one. That's that that those years are a little foggy because yeah. I was jumping around a lot. Oh, I, um, I, that's understandable <laughs> when you look at, like you said, that laundry list of uh, of places you've been. There's, I, 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 it's hard enough to keep track of a couple of stops along the well, way. Well, I, I my neck, I broke my neck in Binghamton. It was Binghamton or Albany. I broke my neck in uh, the first time, and uh, and uh, coming back from that was uh, was obviously challenging, yeah. but it was also challenging from like telling teams that I was healthy. I'm like, no, no, I'm good. They're like, you sure? You're fucking good. I'm like, oh, I'm good. I'm good. So, but there was a lot of teams that really were handling me with kid gloves at that point. So, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a bit, it was a tough time, you know, trying to figure it out years for sure yeah no doubt about that well you spent those couple years with the crunch you played in in so many different spots as well you've got a ton of stuff going on these days we've i mean this has been the fastest 30 minutes i think we've ever had uh mike (laughs) is there anything else you want to add about uh whatever whether it's your your you know final thought on your time in syracuse a, a note on what you've got going on these days i'll let you have the final word here no, just anybody that likes uh, that would like to follow me, you know, come follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just Mike Stroy, you know. I'm, uh, I'm looking to expand my my clinics and stuff like that. I've been been just killing it all over Florida and the Southeast, but um, I'm actually looking to sort of spread out and 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 come to places like New York and places that I've played before and start doing some clinics and and working with the kids in in some of those cities. So uh, um, yeah, and I miss all my Syracuse fans and people there, man. And uh, if anyone ever wanted to send me some uh, barbecue sauce from 
from Dinosaur Barbecue, I would not say no. Yeah. So that's what final thought. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Well, uh, thanks again for doing this, Mike. Uh, congrats on all the great success you've got going on right now. And, uh, well, hopefully Thank we you. get you up here at some point and we can uh, chat with you in person real soon. But uh, congrats again on everything and, and uh, good luck with everything you got going on. Awesome. Thank you so much, bud. There he is, Mike Scroy. We thank him for giving us the time and hope you enjoyed the conversation. Just was so fascinated by how he's been able to work so well in both the mixed martial arts and hockey fields today. And he clearly has so many positive things going on right now in both sports. You heard him talk about the success uh, in terms of uh, the fights, the recent knockout for one of his fighters, and just the progress that everyone that he's working with has been making. And the same can be said about the hockey players he's been working with for the last 7, 8, 9, 10 years as they get better and better and uh, are reaching the next points in their career where they might be going to juniors or college or whatever it might be for those athletes as well. If you have any Mike Scroy stories, we'd love to hear them and share them on an upcoming episode of the show. You can send in a voice memo to me via email, elfavali at syracusecrunch.com. Also, if you want to send Mike some uh, dinosaur barbecue sauce, reach out to me. I'll get you in contact and we get that uh, shipped away. Anyway, that'll do it for this week's episode of the show. Thanks again to Mike Scroy for joining us. For all of us with the Syracuse Crunch, I'm Lucas Favalli saying so long for now. We'll chat again next week on another episode of Crunch Chronicles. 